Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study, usually about 13 or 14 minutes long. But even that short period of time is so valuable to us because it keeps us in God's Word. And since faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17, it helps us grow in our faith, stay strong in our faith. Help people in your life who need to grow stronger in their faith, who need to come closer to God, who need to start thinking about their soul's salvation. Help them by getting them into these studies. God's Word every day. You can share through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. But make that commitment and start sharing today. It could mean the difference, the eternal difference in someone's life. A great blessing for them and also for you. We're going to get back into our line of thought and study. We're talking about Jesus Christ being the fulfillment of God's grace. Again, speaking from the perspective of God's grace, not just the idea of grace in general as we might exhibit it as human beings, but God's grace, hard for us to really fully define, analyze, you know, describe. And so we, we come up with different ways of trying to put it into words to get across the, the basic principle of it, the, the reality of it, all that it is. And we still come up short pretty much, except for when we say Jesus Christ, that's God's grace. When God sent his son into this world to die for us, to pay the price for the guilt of our sins, that's the ultimate expression, the ultimate exhibition, if you want to put it that way, of God's grace toward us. We can read about that in, obviously, John 3 and verse 16, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. As Paul put it in Romans 5 and verse 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. <sighs> Jesus Christ is the ultimate expression of God's grace toward us, toward mankind. Well, we looked at the misunderstanding of what a lot of people have tried to somehow, they haven't tried to misunderstand, but they've tried to explain their misunderstanding in a way that made sense to them. But it doesn't make sense because they've said in John chapter 1 and verse 17, the law came by Moses. Let me read that exactly because I don't want to get the fullness of what it really says there, the fullness of the understanding. John chapter 1 and verse 17. And here is the opening of John's gospel account of Jesus Christ and his ministry upon this earth. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Well, again, some people will say, and they're, they're supposedly teaching Christianity. And they'll say, we're not under law today. Well, we're under grace, is what they say. Is there no spiritual law? We're not under any law? Then how can we identify sin? Because as we noted, sin is described by the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4 as lawlessness a transgression of law. If there is no law, if we're not under any spiritual law, how can there be a transgression of it? How can there be sin thereby? Romans 3 and verse 20, by law, 
is the knowledge of sin. Romans 5 and verse 13, sin is not imputed where there is no law. Romans 7 and verse 8, without law, sin would not exist. So law must exist. We must be under spiritual law for there to be the reality of sin, for, we, for us to be held accountable for sin. And if there is no law, then why did, then there is no sin, and then why, why did the Apostle Paul write, the wages of sin is death? But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6 and verse 23. Why did Paul write in Romans 3 and verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? You see, it's over and over and over again. Obviously, everybody would say, well, oh yeah, there's sin. We see it all around us. How could we deny the fact of the existence of sin? Well, if there's sin, there is spiritual law because where there is no spiritual law, then there is no sin. So we need to understand that. The reality of sin is obvious, but without law, there's no recognition of sin. So we need to understand that. Again, over and over again, we read from the Apostle Paul that we're all under sin until we're forgiven through Jesus Christ. But then we still live by the law of Christ. And that particular phrase is used two or three different times in the New Testament scriptures. Now, we also looked at briefly, but we still looked at the fact that it was not different in the Old Testament days for the people of God in respect to there being law and grace at the same time, as it is in New Testament days. We live under the law of Christ, but we also understand that God's grace reigns. In Genesis chapter 6 and verses 5 and 6, we read of how wicked mankind all of mankind, with the exception of Noah and his family, had become that every intent of the thoughts of their heart was only evil continually. But that same text says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In Proverbs 3 and verse 34, and we noted also in verse 4, that that really can be understood as, as describing God's grace so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Verse 34, surely he scorns the scornful but gives grace to the humble. God's grace was evident. It was abundant in Old Testament times under the law of Moses. Or maybe we should say while the law of Moses still was in force. In New Testament days, the law of Moses has been brought to a close as Christ died on the cross. But we have the New Testament of Christ. We have New Testament Christianity, and that is spiritual law. But also God's grace reigns. It reigned in Old Testament times. It reigns now in New Testament times. How do you think Israel made it out of Egyptian bondage? 
by God's grace, he sent Moses to lead them. How do you think they made it through the wilderness for those 40 years? That was God's grace. How did they find manna for food every morning and quail for meat? God fed them every day. How? By his grace. How did they come through those 40 years with no worn out clothes or shoes? By God's grace. How did they defeat the enemies within the promised land in battle after battle after battle after battle? It was not by their military prowess or might. It was by God's grace. He kept giving them the victories. How, when they had become so wrapped up in the worship of idols, even to the point where at one point they, they, they forgot about the law, the law of Moses. Basically, they lost the Bible. But God gave them another chance by his grace over and over and over again. And basically countless times, God exhibited his grace in Old Testament times. And he exhibits his grace in New Testament times. But he had spiritual law for the people back then, just as he has spiritual law for us today. He has spiritual law for us today. Now, what should we conclude from John chapter 1 and verse 17? The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. They're not mutually exclusive. The ultimate fulfillment of God's grace came through Jesus Christ. When we look at the law of Moses, all of those Old Testament prophecies of the coming Savior, those prophecies were by the grace of God to give the people hope and direction and promise. And Jesus came as the fulfillment of God's grace through those prophecies. And he fulfilled every one of them. Christ is the ultimate fulfillment, the personification, if you would, of God's grace. Now, going back to the first few verses of John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, verse 14 tells us that's speaking of Christ. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So he was right there taking part in the creation. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus came bringing the light of forgiveness and redemption and salvation and ultimately eternal life through the gospel message that he brought from the throne room in heaven. That's God's grace. That's God's grace. When we read and it's an extensive context of Scripture there. We read it earlier in this study. 
in Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 6 and going all the way down through verse 10. But verse 8 being highlighted, God demonstrates his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's God's grace. That's God's grace. In Hebrews 2 and verse 9, he tasted death for everyone by God's grace. And I'm paraphrasing there. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for Jesus Christ, the ultimate fulfillment of God's grace. We'll conclude our study next time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for Jesus, the fulfillment of your grace. And thank you by your grace promising us that we can have an eternal home with you in heaven through Jesus Christ. Help us to live in fulfillment of your grace in our personal lives, Father, to the best of our ability. And where we're weak, please, by your grace, strengthen us and hold us up. Please forgive us, gracious Father. Hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.